Hey guys, and welcome to season four of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, we get to remember and reminisce back in time with some of our guests like... Hey, we are Entity, and you're listening to... The Us People podcast with Savia Rox. Peace, my name is Oni, I'm a producer engineer from Queens, New York. Hi, my name is James Green, I'm a TV presenter, sports reporter and journalist. Hi, this is Joy Langley, and I'm the author of Navigating Stress. Hey, this is Travis Glossop, I am a creative radio your producer for KISS FM and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. We highlight the strengths of our coaches talking about diversity and inclusion and speaking out loud and proud about who we are. It was never that good. I was I was determined. I had a love for the sport and that always fuels me. At 49, I was seven seven years post-divorce after 22 years and three kids of a marriage. And so I knew that I needed to figure out like what was happening for me and why was this so such a severe sort of uh, crack in my identity and how I showed up in the world. It's great. It's great. Because uh, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really work that hard at uni. So it was good to leave uni and, and really like get on it, you know, really like, because I also as a person, I think I value, I value productivity. A lot of people live to work. I think I am one of the work to live guys, but because my work is amazing, that's all right with me. You know, so as a person, I, I go to bed happy when I've had a productive day. We've also saved the best till last by honouring another artist and showcasing their talent as our new theme song with none other than your host, Savia Rocks, featuring in their song. So guys, enjoy, stay creative and as always, please continue to be kind to one another. Let's go. Thank you. And my name is Hema, and I'm the ambitious artist hypnotherapist. And you've been listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savirox, and today I have Hema Patel here with me, who is the ambitious artist, hypnotherapist. I love the title already. Hema, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Yes People show. How are you? I'm good. I'm really pleased to be here. I feel that we all have something to say and when we can spread our message to a bigger audience we can have a bigger impact and you know a little bit about my story already and i'm sure we'll go into that and yeah sometimes things happen in our lives that wake us up to what we're here to actually do yeah I totally agree with you. I would love for people to know more about you. So my first question for you is, could you tell us a bit about your background, but also where you grew up and how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Background and where I grew up. I've um, I've lived in a lot of places <laughs> in the UK. So I grew up in Northwest London. 
and um, I would sneak off to central London on the tube at the age of 12. I would tell my mum I'm just going to the local shopping mall <laughs> to hang out with my friends. And then I'd be in like Oxford Street and Bond Street and all sorts of places. Um, so I think growing up in London definitely shaped a lot of who I am now. Um, I was very fortunate to be a teenager when KISS FM was still a pirate radio station. Wow. So, yeah. So I discovered house music through KISS FM. Um, so listening to the likes of like Paul Trouble, Anderson, my personal favourite was Steve Jackson. Um, I know everyone knows Paul, everyone loves Paul. Um, but my, my favourite, like before I'd go to like Sixth Form College, I would like watch, you know, listen to his show and then like be late for college because I didn't want to get the bus until his show had ended. Um, so, yeah, house music has played a massive part in my life. Like a lot of teenagers, I went through a lot of teenage angst. There were times where I didn't really want to be here, to be honest. Um, and it was house music that saved me because listening to house like when i was underage on the radio there was just something about that genre of music that just grabbed me and pulled me in and so when i did go to clubs um you know i snuck off to like the empire in leicester square when i was definitely under 18 um and a few other places but um being on the dance floor, I was able just to lose myself. Lose myself in the music, in the rhythm, in the beat, in just the, like, and back in those days, you could smoke indoors. Yeah. So in the smoky atmosphere of clubs and just whatever worries and troubles I had just faded away because I was just there. I felt really present on the dance floor. Um, so, yeah, house music has played a massive role in my life. And yes, I went to clubs underage and then I actually got barred from one club when I went there with my real ID because they'd figured that I'd been there for a few years and they're like, okay, now you're not allowed in, which was a big shock to the system. Um, and so even when I went to university, it was um, as much as it was about studying, it was also about like, you know, when are the big DJs coming into town and like, you know, can we get tickets for this? And, you know, what am I going to wear? And, you know, the excitement around the whole experience. And then in my 20s and 30s, I was relatively sensible. So I would go out a couple of times a year um, and like I gone to I think by the time I was in my 30s a lot of it was um like reunion nights and like retro nights and back in the day type of nights mm -hmm. um then to the age of 40 I discovered a whole new scene like um Liverpool disco festival lots of um I went to Croatia to a music festival for the first time, then kind of like went every single year. Um, and so 
it's kind of played a bit of a renaissance in my life. And I think sometimes you can get really caught up in like living to work yeah. and, you know, making sure you hit your monthly targets, making sure, you know, you're doing well in your annual reviews and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd worked in corporate, in IT. I'd also worked as a secondary school teacher. So everything was very target driven. And then like rediscovering the music that I loved, but not in a commercial way, but more of an underground way. And then being introduced to a whole new tribe of people suddenly felt like, hey, this is where I belong. This is where I've always belonged with these people yeah. um, listening to this music. Um, and suddenly that presence was back there, you know, rather than living to prove myself to someone or to, you know, get a certain salary or to be able to afford a certain you know, flat to live in. Um, suddenly it was like, okay, I'm just living for the moment. Like I'm right here right now. You know, I'm not worried about anything else. Um, so yeah, I've, I've lived in the North of England in both Manchester and Merseyside. So I've been really blessed to have lived in such big cities. Um, and now I'm on the South coast. So I'm by the sea again. Um, and because I've been like here, there and everywhere, um, like, you know, searching out and listening to the best music, I actually don't really know too much about where I live at the moment, like the town and the city where I live at the moment. In fact, I don't even know whether it is a city. Um, and <laughs> so just in the last couple of months, I've started to really network with people who are close by and so I have my music family which is like all around the world yeah. and now I'm starting to build networks where I live now and I think when I was in Manchester and Merseyside I like built my networks mainly through work and now that I I work for myself you know you don't have like an automatic group of like you know, the, the cool ones at work that you can hang out with outside of work. That's true. Um, that is true. And so now it's really about me finding, you know, people that I have things in common with. And, you know, whether it's, you know, sort of therapy, coaching, well-being, mental health, or that kind of thing, or whether it is music, um, or whether it's like just, you know, being by the sea and going for walks and getting in the water, and so you find people, you, you know, we're naturally predisposed to be in communities and tribes. Yeah. And usually there's some sort of commonality in those. Um, so music is a really easy one. And sometimes it's like almost harder to find other things that you have in common with people that you can just find out quite easily. No, I totally agree with you there. I, I love the fact that you brought up music first and foremost more than anything, necessarily anything else. So my next question, we're going to talk about the reflection of who you believe you are. And the reason why I say this, I think this is a very, very important question when I say, can you define yourself as a person 
but also who do you see when you look in the mirror but on the flip side of that question what does your reflection say back to you and has there ever been a time where you have looked at your reflection in the mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you how did you manage to decide or manifest or meditate because we all have a different way of doing this to come back and be the person that you wanted to be and love to be more than anything else first of all that is a beautiful question and my immediate response when you asked that question was not that long ago in 2020 mm-hmm. i couldn't look at my reflection in the mirror i found it very to look at my reflection in the mirror and i had been in a toxic relationship in 2018 and in 2018 2019 mm-hmm. um and so when i looked in the mirror in 2020 i would see the person who had been disrespected mm-hmm. who had been humiliated who had put up with things that she shouldn't have put up with and who hadn't trusted her intuition. Yeah. And yeah, this is quite hard to say. I didn't like the person that was looking back at me. And I had begun my healing journey in 2020 and I had received RTT hypnotherapy which is what I have since trained in and I felt that internally there had been so many shifts Mm. I had begun to believe in myself I had begun to love myself yet in the mirror that the outside was still the person who had been in that relationship. Yeah. And so what I decided, I used to have long black hair. Um, and I got my hair cut. And the hairdresser took it from like, you know, almost by my elbows to my shoulder. And I got home and I was like, that it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's just not enough like I can still recognize that old version of me so I went back a week later and she was like why are you here again I was like I I want it gone like I want it really short and so she took it a little bit shorter she was like are you sure you sure I was like yep keep going keep going and then she revealed to me I'd been going to the same hairdresser for years and then she revealed to me that she was actually a specialist in men's hair So I was like, well, of course you're the right person to take my hair really short because that's what you're (laughs) used to. Um, And I was like, all this time she'd never told me. Um, And then suddenly the person looking back at me on the outside matched the inside. There you go. And so it was, it wasn't that I was 
hating on myself. It's just that there was a disconnect between the outside and the inside. Like the inside had changed, but the outside hadn't. And suddenly when I brought those two together, it was like, okay. And then I found out that my um, hairdresser's husband was a photographer. And I was like, brilliant. I'm about to set up a website. I need photos. And so then I think a week after that, I had a photo shoot. And people who know me know that for many years, mm-hmm. if we were out on a night out and someone pulled out their phone and was taking a video, I'd kind of go to the bar or I'd run to the ladies, I would hide. Or if someone was like taking photographs, I'd be like, give me the phone, I'll take the group photo. So I wouldn't be yeah, in them. Yeah. I just had like, I was just, I don't know what it was. I just wasn't comfortable with how I looked or being caught on camera. Um, and so then to suddenly feel like my inside and my outside matched, now I'm going to have a photo shoot. And then we found, and you've got some of these photos, um, we found a beautiful wall with graffiti that happened to be in the same colors as my brand. And I was like, happy days. This is meant to be. Um, and I felt really relaxed. Like I didn't know the the guy who was taking the photos, like I literally just met him that day. You know, my, my hairdresser told me about her husband, but I hadn't met him before. So I met him that day and I felt so relaxed. And it just shows sometimes that we can't underestimate the, the power of expressing ourselves through how we look and what we wear. Yes. And we grow up, you know, with magazines and music videos and all of these different influences. Um, and it's really easy to, to follow. And I think when you develop your own style and it's irrelevant of what's going on in media trends Mm -hmm. and it's just you, like the colors that you like, the, the fabrics and the textures that you like, um, and when you get to play with those, and then you're like, okay. And I think that's what it was, is for many years, maybe I didn't know my identity. I didn't know what really made me me because I'd been either in corporate environments or working in schools. And, you know, you have to look a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to speak a certain way. Yeah. And I think you know, like running my own business and being myself, it was like, well, now I get to be me. Like I, I get to wear what I want on a photo shoot. I don't have to stick to like any kind of corporate branding guidelines or anything like that, you know, and I can just do my own thing. And um, and I think identity is so important when it comes to mental health because... And and Dr. Gabor Mate talks about this. He talks about authenticity and attachment. And authenticity of being our our true authentic self, our real self. And then the attachment is like our need for connection and belonging. And so sometimes we, we fulfill our need for connection and belonging by saying, 
And it's about finding that balance of like, okay, if I want to, you know, belong to a certain tribe or like a music family or genre, how can I still express that and be my true authentic self and have my own like quirkiness and, you know, my unique style. And so when you ask the question of how do I come back myself yeah the thing that really speaks to me is meditation and my heritage is Indian and my whole life I was like I I don't really get meditation like when I close my eyes and try not to think of anything I'm still thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner later or what I'm going to watch on TV or or like have I got that in the fridge like I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what meditation is. And I was like, I'm Indian. Like, surely, surely genetically, I should just know how to do this. (laughs) Genetically? Yeah. I'm like, you know, maybe something's been passed down. And like, clearly it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Like, there's like no, no, like handbook that gets passed down that like, you know, suddenly because you're Indian, you know how to do yoga (laughs) and you know how to meditate. Um, So, yeah. And then what I did is I I found my way and I was like, yes, silence doesn't really work for me, but guided meditations do. Yeah. And so when someone is speaking, when there's a little bit of gentle music and then I'm guided, I'm less likely to think about what I'm having for dinner. And I'm more likely just to absorb the words, get into the feeling. And that kind of, all happened around the same time as me training to deliver RTT hypnotherapy. And RTT stands for Rapid Transformational Therapy. It's a form of hypnotherapy that like takes in the best bits of CBT, NLP, counseling. um, And we do things like inner child healing, like family systems, reparenting your inner child, um, you know, joining the dots of what happened in your past so that you can identify patterns in your past and then interrupt them. It makes you look at the stories that you tell about yourself and then release those stories. Let go of the stories that don't serve you. Let go of the stories that steal your peace. And so when I deliver rtt hypnotherapy now the session can last like two to two and a half hours because it's quite intense it's way more intense than traditional hypnotherapy some people say that it's like um six hypnotherapy sessions in one like it's powerful stuff Um, and hypnotherapy in itself is you know comparable to having a lot of like counseling or cbt one of my clients after one ET hypnotherapy session, she said, I have understood, processed and released more in this one hour session than I did with 10 years of psychodynamic therapy. And I was like, are you for real? And she's like, yeah. And she wrote it in a WhatsApp. And I was like, can I share that screenshot? She was like, you are more than welcome. She's like, more people need to discover this because otherwise you could be seeing a therapist for months, years, and still, you know, just talking about the same stuff and not really moving forward and not really 
goes like, you know, the the one word that I would say 90% of my clients say at the end of a session that they feel lighter mm. because they've made sense of the past. They've made peace with the past. So they feel unburdened. It's just like a beautiful release and letting go. And what happens is the next day my clients receive a 20 minute audio. And so because during the RTT hypnotherapy session, we're uncovering all of these patterns and stories, we're interrupting them and we're releasing them mm -hmm. in the space that is left because we know that the universe abhors a vacuum, that we've taken out the stuff, like like in your loft space or your garage, take out all the stuff that you don't need, you declutter, but if you're not mindful, just other junk goes back in. Yes, that's so true. The same with the mind. So we've released all of that stuff, and so the recording then installs and embeds all the positive, empowering, uplifting, inspirational, like thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and behaviors instead. Mm -hmm. So there's no space left because we're already putting good stuff in. Yeah. The stories that serve us, that fuel us, that motivate us. And so those recordings, they are hypno recordings. So what I do is at the start of the recording, I get people into a really relaxed state and I take them down 10 steps and that gets them into a state of hypnosis. So the only difference between one of my hypno audios and a guided meditation is the 10 steps at the beginning. Because guided meditations usually, you know, there's a really gentle voice. The music is very gentle. Sometimes the phrasing is quite slow and relaxing. And there's some breathing so you, that the out breath is longer than the in breath. You know, one of the techniques that I love to use is the 7-11 breathing. So you breathe in for the count of seven. You breathe out for the count of 11. When the out breath is ever so slightly longer than the in breath, it just gives you that breathing room that room for expansion. And so that 7-11 technique slows our breathing down, relaxes us, and gets us into that meditative state. And so with a hypno audio, when I'm taking people down the 10 steps, I'm just getting them even deeper into that state mm -hmm. so that the brain is even more open to suggestion. And one fact that I came across recently um, there was a study done by the by Michigan State University that said we have between fifty thousand and eighty thousand thoughts a day. Yeah, that's correct. A day. Mm -hmm. Here's the startling fact: eighty percent of those thoughts are not true. So all of those times that we think, oh, I can't do this, or I shouldn't go there, or I can't wear this, or what will so-and-so think, or, you know, should I have said that, or should I have eaten that? All of those things, they're not true. They're just stories that we tell ourselves. Um, and then the other 
really interesting fact is that 90% of our thoughts cycled the day before. And so when people say, you know, like, you know, same old, same old, it actually is like 90% is the same old, same old, because you're still thinking the same thoughts about yourself. You're still, you've still got that same narrative and looping thought pattern going on. Um, and so that's why hypnotherapy is so powerful, because we are interrupting that pattern. It's literally like taking the needle off a record. Yes. For those people who still remember vinyl or who now collect vinyl, taking the needle off the record, changing the record, and then putting on a new groove. That's what hypnotherapy does, because otherwise we'd still be playing the same old tune. That's amazing for you to actually say it that way. <laughs> you got. I've been hypnotized four times, so I understand the whole and from where I was in the beginning to the first one to where I am now, there is an abundant change in all of the sessions, i.e. the first one was extremely emotional. And I mean extremely emotional. And I didn't even realise that I was in that pain or place or or childhood, your your inner child was still hurting because as we grow older we think oh it's gone that's not true at all it's paining you and it's hurting you and you need to find a way not to get it's not about getting rid of it I don't believe in that I believe it's more about forgiving forgiveness is a key word and I know we're going to talk about that one soon forgiveness plays a key role in your life to help you not be bitter within your life and your journey I believe that that is just my opinion on it and it helps you to understand people a lot better um having forgiveness and I'm going to pick up on exactly what you said there because the more I worked with clients like I had been I'd been helping I had been a career coach for over 10 years Mm -hmm. I'd been helping people with anxiety and depression find jobs like you know sort out their application forms, their CVs, nail interviews, like build up their confidence so that they could nail these interviews, you know, stay in jobs. Um, And I'd been doing that for such a long time. And then I'd be like, well, some of my clients get really great results and some of them are no further along. What is going on here? Because treating them in the same way I'm using, like I'm, you know, my CVs were pretty top notch, you know, so I'm like, I know my CVs are good. So like, what is going on here? Um, and then after I trained in hypnotherapy, it's like, well, actually, it's like an iceberg, you know, um, our conscious mind is only responsible, responsible for between five to 15% of our actions. That's true like 80 to 95% of our actions are from our subconscious, the, you know, the bit below the water. Um, and so we are operating, you know, we, you know, our thoughts inform our feelings and our feelings inform our actions. So for the people, you know, for my former clients who, you know, had this amazing CV, but still weren't sending it out and still weren't applying for jobs, it was the 
there was something in their thoughts and feelings. And so the more clients that I worked with when I was a hypnotherapist, um, or I still am, um, I was like, I, I want to break this down. My mathematical brain is searching for a formula. And so after many, many clients, I was like, okay, I think I've got it. I think I've stumbled upon the formula. So this is a HEMA exclusive. This is my own formula. Like I haven't seen this anywhere else. Um, but the brain plus either shame, blame. Yes, that's, that's definitely one. Guilt. Yes, that's another one. Worry, fear or doubt equals pain. And... Pain, and I'm very big on acronyms, so I've got an acronym called FACTS. Pain plus FACTS mm-hmm. equals peace. Oh. And so you'll know what the F stands for because you've just been talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the beautiful forgiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's... There's other bits, so I won't give away all my trade secrets just <laughs> I was yet. Gonna say. Um, <laughs> um, but I will let you in on the S because the S is about the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. So it's about forgiveness and it's about catching the stories that we tell ourselves. You know, is that story actually real? Or is it that 80% of our thoughts which are not true? Mm-hmm. Now, where is that story coming from? Um, and, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome. Yes, that's a big one. And very interestingly, this week on LinkedIn, I saw someone say, you know, imposter syndrome is not about the person, it's about the system, it's about the environment that makes you feel like an imposter. I think it was, I believe it was Nadia Khan. Um, and for me, how I look at it is that thinking of the actor Robin Williams, very confident in his craft, master of his craft, yet something underneath that foundation wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so I see self-belief and self-esteem as the foundation and confidence as the building. So you can have a beautiful ornate building yes exquisite the foundation isn't secure building isn't in schools we are taught the skills and then the workplace they value experience knowledge all of those things contribute to confidence what I would love to see is more being done to educate our young people, our adults, everyone of belief, getting that foundation really. And so when you take the pain, you add facts, we've got forgiveness, which is the F, the stories as the S, 
that gives us peace using that same foundation analogy is that when we have the foundation of peace, mm-hmm. then we add passion mm-hmm. and then we add purpose. That is when we open up full power. That's where we get to access our zone of genius. And again, society rewards us and entices us with following your passion, living your purpose. And my message is about peace. Get that foundation of peace sorted. And then when you have that passion and purpose, you're not looking for people to take you off your pedestal. You're not thinking, you know, how long can I maintain this? How long can I be allowed to be here? You know, can I be consistent? Because you know that when you have your foundation of peace, even if your purpose changes, even if your passion suddenly becomes like obsolete overnight, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. When I was growing up, there was no such thing as a social media manager because there wasn't social media. And so that is true. the world is evolving so rapidly that if we rely on passion and purpose, but the world moves in a different direction, you know, if you were, um, you know, in the print trade, printing newspapers, those people suddenly went out of like work overnight because everything, you know, more things became digital. And so if that is all you have to cling on to, then of course it's going to feel like your whole world has fallen in. Yeah. Whereas if you establish self-esteem and self-belief and you have peace, everything else can change. That's true. You know that you can reinvent yourself. You know that you have that, you know, that bounce back ability. That's a beautiful thing to be able to have. I know that people are going to resonate with that answer. Believe me, I'm going to get even more deeper because the story that I know you are about to share comes from a place of emotions and means a lot to you so it's but I always talk about mental health this is a great thing to talk about we all have mental health regardless if we try to run away from it or run towards it and also mental health is a fear factor for a lot of people And some people are in denial of that fear factor of having mental health. But please, could you tell us the story about your beautiful cousin who had mental health? And there's a question that I'm going to ask you after you tell the story, which relates. Please tell us what happened. So in 2019... Mm -hmm. I lost my cousin to suicide. He was 27 years old, a final year medical student. Mm -hmm. 
as an extended family, we didn't even know that he had depression. Um, between his death and the inquest into his death, and more, um, I became very close to his mum, my aunt, and that he had been on antidepressants. He had expressed to his GP three times that he had suicidal thoughts. He wasn't deemed high risk. He was given a leaflet for counselling. And we know that when people are given leaflets for counselling, there's usually like a 12-week waiting period. Um, His next like review appointment had been booked for a month after his final exam. Mm-hmm. And so there was the shock of losing him. Then the anger that this could have been prevented. Yes. Um To express to someone three times that you have suicidal thoughts, that's not... To have the bravery and courage to even verbalise it one time... Exactly. ...is significant. Mm -hmm. To have expressed it three times is a cry for help. And the questions were, you know, why wasn't he immediately referred to counselling? Why wasn't he immediately referred to university counselling? Because the GP was attached to the university. And um, where there wasn't an NHS waiting list. Yeah. And, And so to lose him knowing that maybe we didn't need to have lost him was really hard and I I had been we had been on a family safari a couple of years before he passed away and my my family is of Indian heritage but we're East African Asian so um, my grandparents were born in India My parents were both born in Africa. My mum lived in both Kenya and Tanzania um, until the age of 14. And so we were on this family holiday, sort of my family and my cousins. And I remember talking about work. You know, my cousin asked me, you know, like, what are you up to these days? And I was like, oh, I help people with health conditions and disabilities, you know, usually sort of anxiety, depression, uh, or maybe, you know, neurodivergent um, conditions to find jobs and to stay in jobs. And he was like, you know, do you need a degree to do that job? I was like, I don't need a degree to do my job, even though I have one. It's not the best paid job in the whole world. But I tell you what, it's so rewarding. I knew he was going to say that. To have someone, yeah, who's like really anxious. I remember having clients who... Initially, 
that you know they were adults and they would come in you know with a friend or a family member because they were so anxious um about speaking to a new person um i remember one client in particular you know he he'd come in with his mum for the first couple of appointments then he'd got one job in retail and then months later he got another job and he was a driver's mate and i was like oh what's the best bit about your job and he was like the banter with the other lads i'm like this blew my mind like how in the space of less than a year someone who was almost shaking when they spoke to me initially now loves banter with the lads so you know i was telling my cousin you know it's not the best paid job in the world but it's so rewarding and it's so much fun and it's you know um and so you know we i spoken a little bit about work and you know the rest of the time we were speaking about you know what animals we'd seen on safari and like what we're having for dinner you know just usual stuff that you talk about when you're on holiday and so as well as the anger of like more could have been done i felt really guilty that i hadn't spotted any signs that how did i not see how did i not have an inkling that something was amiss and and so after he died it took me some time to think you know what even though i really enjoy my job and i'm good at it mm-hmm. i'm here to make a bigger difference in the world I it's time for me to do something more to help people. Um and before I left the job that I was in, they, you know, sent us on this training course, a two-day mental health first aid training course. And I was like, "Oh, this is so good. You know, we're learning about all these different mental health conditions, what to do in a crisis, you know, how to signpost people." I was like, "This is so good." maybe I'll become a mental health first aid instructor maybe this is what my calling is um and you know I, I did what I usually do and you know not, not something that most people would recommend but I left my job without having anything to go to because I was like I know I'm done here but like what's the next step and yeah yeah you do that yeah <laughs> like everyone is like wait you haven't got anything lined up and I'm like no I just I know that this is done but I just haven't figured out the next chapter and I'm sure it will all work out and it always does in the end I think other people get more like anxious and nervous <laughs> about the gap but I'm like no 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 uh-huh. it's it's all good um and then I stumbled upon a masterclass online with Marissa Peer who I had heard of before um and I knew a little bit about hypnotherapy because um like one of my exes had had hypnotherapy to treat his alcohol addiction mm-hmm. and so i knew it worked because he'd stayed sober and so i you know went to this open class uh, this master class with an open mind and at the end of the master class there was like this 20 minute hypno the next day i felt different mm-hmm. something to this and then that week it just kept like the thought kept coming to me rather than making people aware of mental health conditions 
Why not help treat it? Why not help alleviate it? Why not help like solve it? And so as part of the, the training process, you know, you, um, you practice on each other. And I was like, okay, before a student, another student practices on me, I'm just going to pay a professional. <laughs> I'm going to pay an experienced person. Um, cause like if I'm going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, and I, that was so the right decision because my first session was about visibility. I was like, if I'm going to have a business, I can't hide behind like, um, you know, when you work in corporate education, you're representing who you work for. Whereas suddenly when you have a business, you're just representing yourself. Okay. And it's like, OK, how do I do that? Like how, you know, I am going to have to be the face and the voice of things and I'm going to have to do things. Um, so my first session was on visibility. And the first RTT session because they ask you, and I say this to my clients as well, you know, make sure you have a glass of water beside you and some tissues. I kid you not, I cried so much. There was so much snot that I was like, have I even got enough tissues beside me? Because I'm like, okay. Um, I was bawling my eyes out. And that is the thing of when you said about childhood trauma, and someone said on one of my social media posts yesterday, time heals. Yes and no. Time helps us forget because we have more distance, less connection to the memory. Does it always heal? And so they say that most of us have experienced at least two traumatic events before the age of seven. That's true. Could be trauma with a big T. Abuse, neglect, discrimination, poverty, um, all, you know, I, I don't need to carry on, lots of different things. Or it could be trauma with a little t. Being asked to read aloud in class and then stumbling on a word and then the other children laughing at you and then you feel mortified. Suddenly your best friend not talking to you anymore and they've gone off with a different bunch of friends. So all of these traumas, whether they're a trauma with a big T or a little T, and, a, and I'm going to use another Gabor Mate quote, trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what happens inside you as a result of what happens to you. Mm. And so we internalize lots of different things. When bad things happen, we internalize, I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. I can't connect. What I want isn't available. It's not possible for me. I'm not worthy of anything better. I'm not deserving of anything better. Yeah. That's how my past has been, and that's how things will always be. We internalize all of those things, and those are the records that keep playing in our adult life. So the child who stumbled upon their words in a classroom and had people laugh at them, when they go for a job interview, they're suddenly that they can't get their words out. When they have to deliver a presentation at a meeting, they're like, oh, they feel so contracted and it's like, am I going to get through this? It's that same record that's playing and it's showing up in adult life. And... 
when we don't address our childhood trauma, when we don't heal from our childhood trauma, we play out the same situations. Yeah. So you might have a different relationship with someone else, but then the same old stuff comes up. You may go to a different workplace and instead of a toxic boss, you have a toxic colleague. And so these things follow us, yet we're the common denominator. And so until we take that needle off that record and put a new record on, it's still going to play. Um, and so losing my cousin gave me a wake-up call. And I wish it hadn't have taken that to have had the wake-up call. I wish I could have had that wake-up call without losing him because the work that I do now in helping people using RTT hypnotherapy would have laughed off that, loved yeah. that. He would have buzzed off that. He was a final year med student and the feedback that he got when he did hospital placements was about his bedside manner. At his funeral, when his friends spoke the one word that was that kept coming up over and over again was kindness mm. they said that he listened to all of their problems he was the one that was there for them and so i know my cousin would have been really good at doing what i do so sometimes what keeps me going is that we're doing this work together. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things that I do want to ask is how important do you feel, and I know you're going to say this is very important, to tell your feelings, but also one thing that is very hurtful as well. Sometimes when we grow up in a culture, I am half black, half Indian myself. Um, cultures can be very, how can I say, in their ways and generations have their ways and they're stuck in their ways. That's how we say it. We say people are stuck in their ways. And unfortunately, and I know you're going to understand this, Unfortunately, even though we are the next generation who have a more open-mindedness towards life and situations and regardless of sexuality, religion or culture, we are more open-minded, loving and giving and compassionate to everyone around us. Generations before us, for some reason, I feel don't always understand that. Um, and I feel... And I'd love to hear your opinion on this. How do you feel that generations before us can be more accepting? This is important. Accepting to people's emotions, especially their children. Because we hide a lot. Even now, we hide a lot within us. You know, and we make this box inside of us. It, we can call it the trauma box for a second. 
we hide this trauma box inside of us and just like your cousin maybe he felt because he is the person always being the compassionate kind abundantly loving person that he was made in this world to be and left in this world to be he felt like he couldn't speak to anyone because if he does speak people will have this certain opinion of him and about him and sometimes that can also bring trauma to us because we don't want what we call a label on us in your opinion how do you feel we can help not always solve but there must be a way to help each other older generation younger generation so that we can coincide together to make us both understand that we can talk it's okay to talk you may not always understand it but listening can help there is so much that i would like to pick up on on what you Different generations have become closed mm-hmm. to expressing their feelings. I often wonder whether that's because of the need to appear strong when you are in spaces where you are not the majority. And so in spaces where you are not the majority, the instinct is survival. Mm-hmm. And you survive by being strong. I feel like knowing that my grandparents made the journey from India to Africa, then my mum's generation made the journey from the UK, that couldn't be seen to be less than. Because we know that we have to work harder, prove ourselves more just to be on the same level playing field. Exactly. And so I think by them having made those journeys, they were faced with that needing to keep up appearances. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we are second, third generation, and we are in that privileged position of having access to so much information at our fingertips about mental health, about trauma. Like I know there's a um, Dr. Jessica Taylor who speaks about mental health as being trauma responses and coping mechanisms. Now, that's all it is. And we've all experienced trauma. Nearly all of us have had some form of trauma, at least two traumatic events by the age of seven. And everything else is a coping mechanism. And it's whether those coping mechanisms are helpful and healthy or harmful. Um, And so where feelings come in is Parents' generations are like, no, don't express feelings. Don't express any sign of weakness. Um, And we know 
that when we don't express feelings, feelings and emotions that don't get expressed or processed or released or resolved get stuck in our bodies. Yes. They get stuck in our bodies and they cause disease, that dis-ease. And so until we deal with all this stuff that is stuck inside us, we're still going to be facing different diseases. And so then the more we release, process and resolve, the healthier we become because any event or experience, we make meaning of it and we form beliefs on it. And each of those beliefs, so, you know, that must mean that I'm not lovable. That must mean I'm not worthy. That must mean I'm not good enough. Then the belief is, okay, I'm not good enough and I never will be. And then along with the experience, the meaning and belief, there's an emotion that's attached to that. Mm -hmm. And it could be sadness. It could be disappointment. It could be regret. It could be anger. It could be blame. It could be guilt. It could be fear. And so all of those things left to their own devices, literally just make a cocktail inside of us. That is true. Um, That's true. And until we learn how to safely navigate and process it. And so what we're learning, what we have the privilege in this time, because we have access to all of this information, we know that self-acceptance is key. Accepting our feelings rather than pushing them down or repressing them or avoiding them. And the ways that we push our feelings down. Drugs, food, mm. Netflix, scrolling. Yes. All of those things disconnect us from, our, from feeling our true feelings. And when we start to reconnect with our true authentic self, Yes, we're going to feel pain because we've avoided feeling it this whole time because we've been numbing ourselves. So when we do experience that pain, it's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. That's why it helps to have some form of therapy. Yes, I'm perfectly aware that there's all different forms out there. So I'm not saying that RTT hypnotherapy is the only one. It's a very good one if you want to get results quickly. Um, and getting some help and support. And that's the other thing that's different from our generation to our parents' generation. The first being that whole thing about expressing your feelings and feeling your feelings and, you know, like being able to verbalize them and being able to be sad and accepting that you're sad rather than like you know just get on with it like yeah. you know just you know um the other thing that's different is we are far more open to the concept of getting help and support yes and again from their generation if you were to get help and support it would be admitting a weakness and you can't be weak when you are not the majority community in a particular area. And so for us, again, we have that privilege of knowing, yeah, getting some form of help or therapy or support, you know, is going to help us navigate this journey and 
deal with things more effectively and more quickly rather than like either bottling it up and blowing or just numbing ourselves from it. And so the more that we can do to make it okay to get help and support, like to say it's okay to cry, whether you're a man or woman, regardless of gender, it's okay to cry and it's okay to get support. And asking for help is a strength. And the reason I say asking for help is a strength and I say it with such conviction is because asking for help means that you're open to support, means that you are committed to your self-care. And that's why it's a strength. If you didn't respect yourself enough to care for yourself, that's not a strength. So by saying, I need help, it's a strength because you're acknowledging it, you're dealing with it, and you're having the courage to reach out for support. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not, this is not to shame anyone who doesn't ask for support. My message and my intention here is let's normalize getting support. No man or woman is an island. Yes. We were never meant to exist in isolation. We've always existed in community. And, you know, going back, 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 you know, there would be elders within the community that you would speak to. There would be people whose roles would be that nurturing, you know, the medicine man, the medicine woman, not in the pharmaceutical GP sense. And that's a whole other conversation. I was going to say that. That would take us another, like, which I would love, you know, because I have a big opinion on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big opinion on that. So I only have two more for you. The one, the next one I feel you spoke a little bit about before, but it was, it's about finding peace. So my question to you is, when do you believe the last time you found the purity of peace within yourself? Well, I recognize peace when I am fully present. When I am really listening to someone with no agenda, with no idea of how to respond, I'm just there in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I experienced that day at lunchtime. I met up with someone for the first time in person and we've known each other online. Just accidentally, she happened to be in my area and we'd messaged each other and she was like, should we just grab a hot drink? I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, and that was really beautiful. So I felt that today. The other day, um, my niece is on half term and we were at the fairground. And again, just being there in that moment, not ruminating on the past, not feeling anxious about the future, just there. I like that. And when 
we can just be. We can just be without doing, without any doing. That to me is peaceful. That means a lot to me because I I'm a big I'm a big fan of peace. Regardless of what's going on, I am a big fan of peace. My actually, yeah, I'm gonna throw in one more actually. So all of us have a reason for being on this planet. Some have long reasons and some not so short, some are shorter. If I was to say to you, what do you believe your legacy is in this world? And what would your legacy like to be only when you decide that you are going to go on your own island if you want to find that place of tranquility? We all have different minds. We all want to do something different when we decide to retire or rest or say that is enough. What would you like your legacy to be? Know the saying, hurt people hurt. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. If I can help more people heal, they'll be less hurt. That is very true. That is very, very true. That's a good enough answer for me because I believe the world needs it. I believe the world definitely needs it. My last question for you before I have the abundant and humbleness of saying thank you to you is where can everyone find you on all your social media platforms? Where can people just hear about what you do, how you help people, what your story is if they want to get into more depth about who you are as a person and also what you've been through, where can they find you? And my name is Hema. I have one of the most common surnames in the world. So please do not try and Google me or find me on Facebook or LinkedIn with my name. <laughs> so I'm going to save you some time. Um, the handle that I use on Instagram is at reset discover the word. Um, I have a Facebook group with that name. I have recently set up a TikTok account with that name as well. I haven't done anything with TikTok yet. <laughs> it's coming. It's in the pipeline. Reset and rediscover. And I know that to me, those two words are really important because we can reset ourselves in the present by making peace with the past. That's true. Which then allows us to rediscover Mm -hmm. so that we can create the future that we want that's true set and rediscover that is definitely true guys please go and have a look please get in touch you know it's important for all of us to connect and network with each other because everybody's story can save somebody else's life it's important and the more people that we help again just like you said the more pain we get to heal in a different way because all our pain levels are different, you know, and this is where 
I want to say abundantly coming right from my heart from beginning to end I want to say thank you so much for your time your kindness your compassion your emotional self and just letting yourself be present in the moment because I think that is so important to have thank you so much for taking your time because time again is precious and for coming on the Ask People podcast show I appreciate you so much thank you Thank you. And my name is Hema, and I'm the ambitious artist hypnotherapist, and you've been listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rock. Hey, she said it without me even saying. <laughs> Guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Us People podcast, and please remember you can subscribe and listen and leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and any other platform that you prefer listening to please also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can also donate to the ask people podcast by simply going to the savvy rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast guys thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please Continue to be kind to one another. I need a solution. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with her. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with confusion. Yeah, I'm done. I need a solution. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy in peace of mind. I protect my energy in peace of mind. People say that having a peace of mind is trying to find a consistency of calmness within ourselves to crave for a clarity that drives us through our emotional journey of life to never let a person's judgment manifest into a fear inside of us learning to believe in our ability to shine through the darkest moments and tunnels when we cannot see the light patience being our light for forgiveness and strength to believe in our destiny if you want real peace of mind one needs to stop fighting their inner thoughts and embrace them with love because love is the most amazing and beautiful strength that we have to conquer our peace of mind make your thoughts impact a nation by keeping them true and honest especially to yourself but make your peace of mind protect you when you don't have strength to embrace anything else find your peace of mind by listening to your heart yeah so if students mental health and well-being is important to you please know that there is a petition going to get a legal duty of care for university students for students in the uk at the moment university staff are covered by a legal duty of care all pupils are covered by a legal duty of care sixth form college students are covered by legal duty of care university students are not so please do help us 
get to 100,000 signatures before the 19th of March. You'll find the link to the petition in my bio and every single signature counts. When you sign the petition, you'll receive an email. Do click to confirm that email because that is when the picture will count. Thank you so much.